Okay, Inappropriate Earl is back. Of course, we are on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, hopefully soon to be Spotify. Uh, please uh, rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you have not done so already. And a special thanks to uh, the one, the only Rob Riggle for uh, last week's podcast. He's a very busy guy, and uh, he was nice enough to take time out of his schedule. And uh, it was a really uh, fun interview because we got into some things that he had never really talked about before. You know, every pretty much every interview he does is uh, they ask him about his military service, and which is uh, unbelievable. You know, I think it's 23 years in the Marines. And, uh, but I tried to not talk about that too much because I'm sure he's sick of talking about it. So we got into some eighties metal and I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you haven't listened to it, please do so. And today I have a returning guest. He's more than a returning guest, really. Uh, you know, most times I have people on once because, uh, you know, after an hour and a half or whatever it ends up being, you know, there's not really a lot to talk about after that, but, uh, this is his fifth time coming on inappropriate Earl. And uh, been a while, so I wanted to catch up with him uh, anyway, but also with the recent events in the stand-up comedy world with several comics uh, committing suicide that we all know and love, especially Brody Stevens, and as well as Anna Land, uh, who's a very uh, funny female comic. Uh, you know, he's uh, very familiar uh, with depression, and uh, he's known people who've, uh, you know, committed suicide, unfortunately. Uh Please put your hands together. This will be a, a happy interview, but, you know, comedy, uh, it ain't happy all the time. Uh, Mr. Casey Moran. Earl, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It's good to have you back. Uh, you know, I, I wish it was under happier circumstances, uh, but I know you know your way around uh, the depression uh, uh, subject uh, better than most because you suffer uh, from depression. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean... I don't know a lot. I know, I know, I know sports. I know uh, '90s television and pop culture, and unfortunately, I know mental illness all too well. Uh, I got diagnosed in 2003, and uh, with with depression, and then it became major depressive disorder, and then a few years ago, it was bipolar two, ADHD, and so it's like explain that to people like who uh, like uh, someone asked me the other day. Uh, if I uh, thought I was bipolar, and I said yes, and they asked me why, and I was like, well, I have extreme highs of when things are going good, like when the jellies is, you know, the jellies is coming back on uh, in May, uh, so I, I got really excited about that, and uh, you know, there's going to be a billboard on Sunset and Fairfax, and you know, uh, I got uh, super uh, like euphoric, almost like I was on a drug. Uh, but then, uh, I get super down sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, uh, like I recently tried out for, uh, a particular comedy festival in Montreal and, uh, with three letters that are called JFL and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the guy, you know, I had the set of the night. Uh, you know, granted, it was only five minutes showcase set, uh, so it's not really a set. And uh, you know, the guy running the audition was very cool. He's like, "Dude, you're great, but uh, you don't really fit the parameter of the show, or in, which is new faces, basically." And uh, so I was like, "Oh fuck, man!" And then I got super down, and I had to drive back from Phoenix, you know, seven or eight hours, whatever that trip is. And uh, so I went from the high of the jellies to the low of of that. 
And uh, she's like, uh, you're not bipolar, you're manic depressive. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between, uh, you explain what the different depressions that sure. my fan base n- may not be familiar with or are confused about like I am. Well, well the thing is, is there's so many different uh diagnoses out there and honestly what it is is really just labels so when it comes to bipolar bipolar one is the most severe bipolar two is the less severe um there's bipolar depression where it's a a combination of both bipolar with the highs and lows like you talked about with some mania and also depression so it's like a higher level of depression at times and then then it's just it goes quicker. The, the highs are quicker than normal depression. The, the truth is, I feel that everybody has something. Whether they're diagnosed is irrelevant. A lot of people don't want to get checked. Um, it's a lot more accepted than it was in 2003 when I was diagnosed. But yeah, I believe everybody goes through something. And I, I think you might have uh, bouts of depression, bouts of manic depression. There's There's situational depression, whether it's a loss of a loved one you know, uh, a breakup. Um, and then what you're going through career stuff, that sounds like you're having, you know, highs and lows of your career and maybe even your personal life, but you also, you know, tie it into your mental illness. But the good thing about you is you always take care of yourself. You don't have any, you know, vices when it comes to alcohol or, you know, drugs, you've never touched a drink, you've never, you know, smoked weed or anything. Not that weed's bad, but you've never done anything of like you grabbing the antidepressants and, and you know, kind of self-medicating. You, you haven't done that. And you're always working out. You stay on a schedule. Um, you know, you eat healthy. Uh, you nap. You, you, you self-care is, is, is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think that um, while you're going to have unfortunate events when it comes to, you know, showcasing for, for comedy festivals or, or whether, you know, certain shows go on the air or off the air or whatever it is, um, you're doing everything that's in your control and all you can control is what you can control. I know that sounds dumb, but like for me, this last year has been such a roller coaster that it's like, I'm, I'm appreciating life at a whole other level than I've never had before. Like what, 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 uh, how do you appreciate life more than uh, you have say over the last year? Well, in October, my dad almost died. Um, he had sepsis. He went in for a bladder infection. Uh, it was a whole thing and we thought it was a stroke and it turned into septic shock and, uh, he, he almost died. And it's not just, you hear that a lot loosely like, Oh, you know, so-and-so almost died, but he legitimately almost died. We had to get him to UCLA. Um, and luckily he has a lot of connections, you know, through being a high school principal and my brother and I use those connections. Um, you know, and a lot of people don't have that. And it really sucks that some people don't have the connections to get to the correct hospital that you need. But I guess what I mean is that, um, when life is almost just taken from you like that, somebody that's always, in my eyes, have done the right thing, worked hard, done it the right way, didn't cheat any system, um, didn't you know do drugs or or, or anything self uh, harming or or whatever to our family or to him, and always showed us the value of hard work and and the value of family, um, how important that is. And then you know he never really went to the hospital before. He's never 
you know, maybe didn't take the best care of himself, but at the same time, like, I don't really know a lot of people that do, unfortunately, including myself. And so it was a wake up call, man. It was one of those things where it was like, you know, like, uh, my depression is going to come and go. I, I I'm ready for it. But at the same time, when you see that and you see he has nine brothers and sisters, when you see all the family coming in front, his friends from work or just personal family friends and his family come from all over the place. Um, and we almost lost him. It, it really changed my perspective of, of life and the support system I have is incredible. Um, this is the, my fifth time on this podcast. And, and I got to tell you, this is the happiest I've ever been while being here. Um, and it's just because, you know, it's like that happened. And, and now all these sad things are happening around the comedy community, whether it's Brody, which was really, it hit me so hard and I didn't even know him that well. And I know you knew him very well. And, uh, it's just, that hit me so hard. But after the stuff that happened to my dad, I just, uh, I don't know. I just see life a little differently and it sucks that it takes stuff like that to happen for you to kind of like appreciate things more. But, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Well, I think the thing with Brody that most people are confused about is he had, uh, by every measurement of how we gauge success in the comedy world, he had it. Like he had A-list friends. He mm -hmm. was in movies, like big movies, like The Hangover's the number one rated, uh, R-rated movie uh, of all time. He was in that. He was in the second one, which did very well. Um, you know, audience warm-up gigs that pay, you know, a lot of money per day, you know, if you're on a network audience warm-up uh, gig like Conan or whatever, you know, you're getting 1,200 plus a day. Uh, that's four shows a day or four shows a week. Uh, and you're, um, you know, it's really not a lot of work. It, it, right. It's, you know, I think Don Barris says he works, you, you know, uh, a total of like 90 minutes a day. And, and on camera, it's, you know, not even that much. So... You're working like, I don't know, 15 to 20 hours a week and getting paid more than most people do who work, you know, 80 hour weeks. Uh, and everyone loved him. Like he was like uh, universally loved in the comedy world. He could play the comedy store and kill. He could play the Laugh Factory and kill and the improv kill, Ice House, Hermosa, which is a very, in the stand up world, uh, you know, most comics have a certain club they, do better at than others right uh, you know like i do the best at the comedy store because they like the darker and edgier humor uh you know brody could play ucb uh and uh kill and, and, right. and go to the comedy store and kill like i went to ucb uh saturday night to see rob riggle's uh, improv uh group and uh i just looked it was sold out and uh it's like a really uh impressive uh, group he's with but just looking at this crowd, I was like, I would not do well with this group. They're like nerds and hmm. like people who like probably jack off to the Avenger movies. <laughs> uh, you know, my fan base is, you know, metalheads and hockey fans. But Brody was like, Brody had what we all wanted uh, on the surface was, you know, he could play any crowd. And, right. And he made money. He was like, he had his own show on HBO. Like his successes were just one after another, and yet it still wasn't enough for him. 
where something made him go. I And all the hundreds of people he knew that loved him and the thousands, really. I mean, you see the Chicago Cubs are still paying tribute to him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the comics that, that, you know, he had like three memorials. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, tr Sam Tripoli did a, a very nice uh, two-show memorial. And then, uh, of course, there was the official, like the family memorial where – I've never seen the main room so crowded. Right. Uh, I mean, standing room only. And then, you know, you see like Zach Galifianakis uh, crying and, uh, you know, Bradley Cooper was there on the DL crying. Wow. Uh, and, and Rob Riggle, like, and I'll mention Rob just because, you know, here's the guy who was in the Marines. He's seen a lot, you know, in terms of the, you know, war and, and all that. And you would, think it would take a lot to get him to cry and he was crying right like everyone was crying uh when uh, brody three of his uh high school baseball friends spoke no one knew who these guys were in the room and uh you know it's just the stories they were telling and then brody's friends from seattle they were all sitting at one table it was like the four friends he started with in seattle tana uh, tana yeah. uh, who's oh, who was awesome he was like this samoan comic um craig gas josh wolf and Yoshi Obayashi. Right. Uh, but it was just like so neat to see a table from a specific city. Uh, of course, they've all migrated to LA except for Tana. Uh, you know, it was just so many emotions and seeing grown men cry. Right. And Marines cry and, and you know, yeah. foul-mouthed comics crying like little babies. Uh, you know, I was crying, uh, you know, a fair amount. And, uh, you know... Because, you know, I, I, I'm still confused by his death. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, I, I spoke with him Wednesday because he was at the store. And then the night uh, he, I guess, you know, took his life, he, he was supposed to come on this podcast. Right. So, uh, you know, it just goes to show you, like, Brody on the surface had everything. Right. Had no reason to be uh, depressed. But yet, uh, you know. So you can imagine what open micers feel like. And, and I'm being serious. It's not like a slam on open micers. No. Uh, and even roast battle comics. Like, uh, to be honest with you, I'm surprised some of them haven't killed themselves uh, just because, you know, uh, I mean, that show's like a great show and it's certainly done a lot for me, uh, you know, from a superficial, like got me on other TV shows and stuff. But like, you know, that show you're you're being called fat ugly a whore you know i was called old and you know i was like well jesus i don't know if i'm really mentally prepared to do this show i mean that's in part why i left uh but you know it's like a catch-22 of what got me a lot but you know i had to walk away because it was depressing me right now i get that um the thing is with with depression and i can speak only from my experiences, but I have uh, attempted to take my own life. Uh, I was unsuccessful at it. The thing is, is it's not, and I, and I cannot speak for Brody. Um, but what I can say is I've been there when it comes to, um, just wanting out of my own darkness. Uh, you when, when you're, when I was going through this thing where I didn't want to live, I wasn't thinking about my friends and family and how it was going to affect them not to be selfish, but just because I got in my headspace of my friends and family say they want what's best for me. And I'm telling them what's best for me is for me not to exist. Why don't they want that? That's what will make me happy. Why don't why? And that's where that's what mental illness does. It, it 
you're in your own head and it's, it's this dark cloud that's over you and you can't get out of it. Um, when I look at Robin Williams or I look at Brody or I look at some of these suicides, if not all of them, um, it's not about what money they made, who all loved them. It's, they, they might not have seen it that way. They, they still are hung up on not being able to get out of their head. And that's what I believe. And cause I've been there and I'm not comparing myself to any of those geniuses, but I'm just saying like, um, I honestly think that the amount of people that both of them, the, I mean, I'm saying like Robin Williams, Brody, um, all the people that they touched, they, that kept them going for, for more years than, you know, than it, it could have, you know, I think Robin Williams kids kept them going. And I think with Brody, it was all that love for years. I mean, um, he wanted out of his darkness, I believe. And, and, and that sucks. And the people that say, suicide or suicidal thoughts is a selfish act. I'm sorry, but I think that's ignorant. I think that I'm not going to go to a girl that's pregnant. That's talking about having cramps and everything and say, get up. You're fine. That doesn't hurt. Cause I don't know how that feels, but what I do know is how depression feels and it fucking sucks, man. It's the worst feeling ever. You can't get out of bed. And Brody got out of bed. He did all those shows. He did Chelsea lately. He did, you know, uh, uh, undateable. He did all those, those Jeff Byrne, the Ross, he did all those, um, <laughs> Jeff Byrne, That's Jeff Byrne. Did I say Jeff? Jeff Byrne, Byrne, yeah. Uh, I said Jeff Byrne, the Ross. Yeah. Well, sorry. Jeff Ross is the burn. Uh, he was you know, he did audience warm up on that. And that is a really hard job. You're talking. And Oh, best damn sports shows is I think his longest one. I mean, he's done so many shows. So many. It's, like, it's incredible. Uh, it's, uh, Anthony Jeselnik. He did his show. Uh, yeah, the Jeselnik offensive. offensive. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. I mean, he did so many things and he did, Conan, he did all that. Um, Just but, for laughs. Ju- I mean, yeah, like he, the height, uh, the best of the best. Uh, he did it all. Gigs. And yeah, it's right. still. On was, paper, he did it all. And you're going to be like, why isn't that? But I'll tell you, it's it, to live with this. I'll tell you this. My brother introduced me to Brody in 2012 when his show was on. And I believe it was on HBO first. HBO was, Go. HBO Go first. And it, it uh, Brody Stevens, enjoy it. Um, is produced by Zach Galifianakis. And it was, the thing is though, is I've watched a lot of reality TV. I've watched a lot of regular TV. I've watched every movie that I can think of that has to deal with mental illness and depression. And I don't think anything got it as real as enjoy it. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, he's one of my favorite comics or that, that you knew him very well. And, and he was just the nicest guy. I mean, he was just, everybody loved him. Um, but the thing is, is that show captured captured depression better than anything that I've ever seen on TV or on movies. Like it, and and I know there was one scene in that show that Brody got into it with his like assistant on the show in a parking lot, and it was not. It was just like. Brody was yelling at him and then he would go back to like, I'm sorry, you know, you are doing a good job and then go back to yelling. And that is mania. That is a manic episode. And I can guarantee that there was no producers behind that going, Hey, can you, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, be a little more dramatic for the can. I guarantee there, I, I really, I would be very surprised if there was anybody behind the scenes, they didn't even need to do anything to edit that. It might've been a longer manic episode than I know of, but it was, captured perfectly in the way 
the doctors doctor i mean that show if i i really think that high schools when they're talking about you know when when they go on to mental illness in health classes or whatever should look at clips of that show it was that it, it was such a good show and not just because it was entertaining but because it really captured mental illness in my opinion is is realistic as possible and while brody somehow made that funny like that's how much of a genius he is i don't think it's just about you know cameras and and production um i wasn't on the set of that but just watching it as somebody that has depression especially i was at one of my lowest in 2012 when i was watching that and that show kept me from hurting myself like and podcasts have has got me up every day just listen looking forward to something like whether it's your podcast or the comedy store podcast or rose battle or you know danish no neil or tuesdays with story all these podcasts i know that there's going to be mark Marin, joe rogan i know there's going to be every monday and thursday there's going to be a new uh wtf or whatever it is it keeps me going and i'm able to lay in bed and listen to something that's the one thing i can do is hit a button on my phone i might not be able to get up and shower but i can listen to a podcast and maybe i'll smile maybe i'll laugh and listening to brody on podcasts always made me laugh on your podcast i loved him on your podcast yeah it was great i mean i think it was two and a half hours and uh you know, it's just Brody was a character, and like uh, I told the story many. I mean, I don't want to make this a Brody only podcast, but like it, it is germane to the the subject of depression because uh, he's like the perfect example. Uh, you know, when I first met him, I thought he was a dick because I didn't get his character, and now I look back and like, oh my god, this, this guy—he's one of the few comics that I could, along with Don Barris and Brian Holtzman. And if you're ever at the, if you're in Los Angeles or you're coming here from vacation, I would highly recommend watching Don Barris and Brian Holzman. Uh, but Brody was in that group. If I could watch them do the same joke a hundred times and laugh every time, right? Uh, and Brody was that. Uh, the, there will never be another person like him. I mean, no, because you know we're all offshoots in comedy of the people before us. Like, you know, I'm not completely original. I'm not to get myself into the story, but like I'm probably a hybrid of Stephen Wright and Robert Schimmel, certainly not on their level. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's many, you know, Jeff Ross is, you know, probably a, a hybrid of Don Rickles. Right. Uh, and uh, I always say Jeff is the new Don Rickles and, and Don Rickles, my favorite comic. So that's how highly I think of Jeff's comedy. Uh, and then you could say Tony Hinchcliffe is a new Jeff Ross. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you could say, uh, you know, uh, there's many uh, younger female comics. You could say the next Amy Schumer and, and Sarah Silverman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There's just, sure. uh, but there, I can't think of one comic before Brody where it's like, okay, Brody was an offshoot of this person, right? And I'm certainly will never, I don't think, ever see another comic where I'm like, they're the next Brody because his, right. you know, his points of references were so uh, bizarre and obscure and occult. That I, I don't <laughs> see like not only you know most comics have a joke about a starbucks and you know their different take on right there's so many starbucks or whatever uh brody could 
do 10 to 15 minutes on a particular Starbucks in the Valley. Like, yeah, you know, it was like the Starbucks on, uh, you know, more park in, Vin- no, it can't be more park in Ventura, but more park in Colfax or whatever. Uh, you know, most comics would just write a generic joke about right. Starbucks. Uh, so, but it's still, I think a lot of people are, uh, saddened by, cause he was, uh, definitely the last couple of years, the most well-known comic, uh, who's uh, killed themselves? I mean, I've right. known probably about ten in in the almost twenty years that I've done comedy. Uh, uh, it's hard. It, it, it's 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 a tough business. I mean. It is a tough business, and the thing is, is like um, with Brody, he's a guy, and, and and you know, like um, I said earlier, he's one of the nicest guys. He was very nice to me, but I, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking podcasts like he wasn't maybe the nicest he was intense but he was so he was kind to everybody he was intense though i think that that's a, a fair thing to say but the thing is is that um he always remembered names even if you met him a few times he always remembered where i was from simi valley the, you know simi valley swap meet to you know uh tapo canyon yosemite he would name streets every time i'd see him he would say that and um he was you know he lived there when he was a kid and he would just just go off on on all these references and it just what he did was so original and um like you said there there'll never be another one there'll never be another Brody Stevens but the thing is is he was the great thing about social media and YouTube and podcasts is that there's countless hours of content from Brody that we can listen to oh. countless hours of content from Greg Giraldo Patrice O'Neill uh Robin Williams you know, all these people you can constantly listen to, um, you know, whether it's Opie and Anthony clips on YouTube, whether it's podcasts, whether it's YouTube, Chris Farley, even, I know he's not a stand up, He was an improv guy, but just people that made you laugh, um, that, that passed away, unfortunately, um, that, that you can feel like they're still here. You know, I know that sounds corny, but like I listen to, Patrice clips on Opie and Anthony all the time. And it just makes me feel like I'm in the room. And, um, when it comes to, you know, everybody else, uh, that I mentioned, there's so many other examples, but that's the best thing about podcasts is you can just type in somebody's name and find these clips that, that make you laugh. Um, Ralphie may like I, I, I listened to him on Jay Moore's podcast. His, uh, Mark Marin episode is one of my favorites. And it was one of my favorites before he passed away. Um, you talk to the smash brothers, Corey and Chad and hearing Ralphie May stories was just incredible. Um, and, and hearing, hearing them talk about how he, he went to bat for them and helped them in so many ways. Brody helped a lot of people there. It was just so cool to hear all these stories of, of comics that are successful, helping other comics coming up. And I think this new wave of comics, whether it's like, Andrew Santino or Theo Vaughn or Tony Hinchcliffe, you know, though Eric Griffin, like that class below the Rogans and the Bill Burrs and all that, they're helping other comics and they're bringing other comics on the road and teaching them the ropes. And, and because somebody else taught them and, and, and I just, um, hearing Tony talk, cause I went to that show you talked about the Sam Tripoli one, not the, the one where the family was at, but I went to the second one. I saw you that night. And I, and it was just, it was a bunch of comics doing their act. And I was like, and it got to a point where it's like, I was on lineups with some of these guys. 
I was like, I could have gone up and done my, and I was like, you I haven't done stand up in a year. I know. I, I if I would have known, well, I wouldn't have done that though. I, I would have told Brody stories because I actually ran into, and last time I saw him was in July at that Starbucks in Studio City. I was going to work. I had an hour to kill, and I went to that Starbucks and I saw Brody, and I went up, and he went, uh, "See me Valley eight one eight or uh, he said uh, one eighteen freeway." And I was like, I was like, and and we talked, uh, LeBron had just signed with the Lakers. We talked basketball and depression for about a half an hour. And I left going like, that was one of the best experiences I've had with any comic, just chatting. Like we've known each other for years. Um, and I, I didn't even know him that well, but his, his, there's not, there has not been a celebrity death has affected me more than Brody Stevens. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's uh, like I said, the Chicago Cubs are like wearing T-shirts. Yeah, uh, I love you know, that. He was big in the ba- the baseball world, right? Uh, you know, I mean, Ralphie May was, you know, uh, I would say that was a slow suicide. You know, when you're eating yourself right. to death. I mean, he was uh, 594 pounds at the time of his death, and uh, I was on uh, Danish and O'Neill's podcast last night, and uh, I listened to that. <laughs> it's a long podcast i listened to, i didn't listen to all of it i was listening to about uh i mean it was close to three hours i listened and, to about a half a half an hour of it, it yeah good. no i mean it's it's good because uh, i had lois in the car so i had to uh <laughs> i had to cut it short because it was a little hot last night and uh, i didn't want her to die in the car uh but we were talking about ralphie and you know, when I knew, first met him, I, he was at least 100 pounds heavier than when he passed. So he, he was had to have been close to 700 pounds right. at one point, by my estimation. And, and you know, I, I think it was like, you know, when you're that heavy and use food as a crutch, uh, that's just basically a very slow-moving suicide. I'm not saying Ralphie wanted to die, but, like, when you're that unhealthy, you, you almost... Uh, you know, some people might argue it's just a self-control issue, but like, you know, when you're 594 pounds, it's like, Jesus Christ. Right. I mean, the guy who got that cremation order must still be working on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I work out to get through my depression, Ralphie ate. You know, it's just, why do two people who probably have a similar brain path uh, take opposite directions, you know? Right. And once again, like Brody, Ralphie had even almost more so than Brody, uh, where he had every measure of success in this business. Yeah. I mean, he was a multimillionaire through comedy. He started living in, I think, a small studio complex with Joey Diaz and a bunch of other, uh, Josh Wolf. And yeah. Couple, uh, and it was on Gardner. I remember he yeah. talked about it on, on podcasts all the time. Um, he he gave the address out because it was years after. He, I think I think Doug Stanhope lived there, yeah. and then and then somebody was subletting it and wanted it was still paying for it, and it was on the road and and let uh let Ralphie stay there, and uh, Jay Moore took Ralphie on the road, and there's there I Ralphie's story was, and I I never got to meet Ralphie, but I I saw him do stand up at, at Red Band's fortieth birthday party, uh I don't know maybe f- six years ago or something like that at the store. Um, I always wanted to meet him, but again, because podcasts, you feel like, you know, these people, you feel like, you know, more. And I, and I know that some comics were like upset that people not getting tattoos. I mean, maybe they are like getting tattoos of Brody or, or wearing these shirts, uh, 
you know, they, they weren't buying his shirts before. I, I saw some Facebook posts about it, but it's like, here's the thing. You feel like you know some of these people, even if you didn't, because of podcasts. I'm not, the, the thing that was, was sad is when Brody's show was really hitting, when you would see him outside the store and people would just start saying, uh, enjoy it, 818 till I die. And he bought into that and just kept doing it. And that's got to get tiring. And that's, you know, Chris Farley did that too. He would say, you know, people, you know, uh, I think it was like Chris Rock or, or Norm MacDonald, Adam Sandler, David Spade said like whenever he would like walk outside and there was an Applebee's or something, people would buy into that character and then he would just act and get people to laugh. But they were sad inside. And um, that was that was hard because I the Brody I talked to at Starbucks was not the Brody you see on stage while he he is very much himself. There was more of a he didn't feel like he had to be on. I felt, you know, like I didn't feel like some of some of these performers feel like they have to be on all the time. And that was the only conversation I've ever had with them where I felt like this is the real Stephen Brody Stevens or just Steve Brody. Like, that's how I feel. Um, and it, maybe it was because we were talking about depression and we weren't talking about comedy or there wasn't an audience. I don't know. But he was very kind to me and I'm forever grateful for the fact that I got to meet him and that I got a, a chance to see him perform a few times and he was, you know, he added me on Facebook that day. Like it was one of those things that meant a lot to me. And I know, I know it's really small, but like that was, that was a big deal. And one time I went to go watch a uh, big Irish Jay Hollingsworth at the uh, improv and Brody brought him. I don't on make anyone depressed watching him do comedy. <laughs> he's great. But, uh, he, he's, a. Uh, didn't he almost like he sweat in here and he had to, he almost had to leave. Right. Like he, that guy. He can. He sweats more than anybody I've ever. He's one of my absolute favorites. Oh, yeah. he's the best. But yeah. I'm sure Big Irish Jay is depressed. Yeah, like, no, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think everybody goes through things. He's uh, he asked. You know, he's uh, I listened to his podcast, Hollingsworth's podcast, talking about uh Brody, and he didn't bring this story up. But I remember one time, uh, Brody was bringing uh Jay up on stage, and he goes, uh, he was just having a conversation with Jay on stage there was a packed room and he was just like where'd you play high high school basketball oh uh did it who, who was that player on he was just having this conversation that was clearly one he could have had in the lobby but it was so funny he was like oh damon stoudemire and like they were just going back and forth on on stage and it was like the best um and then the the valducci triplets the verzi triplets were there in support and uh Brody was on Periscope and put these triplets on and they, it was at least 15 minutes on Periscope. He kept them on and, and he had a lot of Periscope followers and um, they were asking, you know, people, the people watching were asking questions uh, about them. And that's one thing in your podcast with the, the Smash Brothers. You were talking about the Lucas Brothers. You were talking about the Sklar Brothers, but you guys didn't bring up the Valducci triplets. Well, you know, uh, I don't prepare any questions or <laughs> topics really on this uh no, podcast. I know. I'm just giving you so, a hard time. Uh, you know, there's names I probably should mention even in this episode of depressed comics and right uh, whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, I was just giving you a hard time. They, uh, I see them a good amount. And they, they love you. They're they're good good guys. I'm sure they're depressed. You know, I think you know. Um, if you're not I, depressed in stand up comedy, you're not in comedy. Like the constant yeah. rejection, exactly. The constant uh, backstabbing and bullshit. Even when you make it, you experience, whether it be from a network or a 
a show or you know the powers that be behind either right. a network or a show uh, it never stops i think it gets worse the more successful you get that's possible i mean you know the th- you would think it would get better but right. like the, the more you the better comedy shows you're on the the tv shows you're on uh you know it, it the stakes are higher you right. know the pressure's on uh but you know it, it's uh but then there's a lot of good people in the business too right know? Yeah, I mean, what uh, Biggie Small said, mo money, mo problems, you know? That's true. I mean, yeah, uh, um, yeah it's 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 hard. I, I know where I was when I when when my brother texted me about Brody and, and he just said, oh, no, Brody. And it's like I already knew I didn't have to look at, you know, I looked at TMZ just to confirm, but I knew um, right there. And that sucks that I didn't even have to ask what, you know, Um and I know where I was and it was a job interview and I, I broke down crying and uh, it really, it really affected me. And again, I didn't know him well. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to tell you, like, we were like best friends. I'm not that person. I well, know I some- saw that at, uh, no, I, I hate to interrupt. Yeah, please. Uh, you know, Tripoli's first show, it was full of people like me and Hinchcliffe yeah. and, uh, you know, people who knew him. And then the second show, I remember. That's uh, the one I was at. Uh, I, I texted a. A uh, picture of the lineup to a friend of mine, and I was like, uh, "I know seventy percent of these people didn't know him, and they were just wanted the spot at the fucking comedy store." Yeah. And then I had one comic begging me to get him on. Uh, he's like, "I just want to get up there and yell and get the crowd going." It's like, dude, you barely knew Brody. Like, you just want to get up in front of a pretty full crowd, and you, you think Adam's gonna? I didn't say this to him. I was saying it to myself. But do you think Adam's going to walk in and go, I'm going to pass this guy, you idiot? Right. Uh, so. Uh, yeah. Some of them were go- like, like uh, they would tell like good. Some of them told Brody stories, you know, whether it was uh, Hinchcliffe. He was on that show. Um, you know, uh, Chad Zumok. There were some people that actually had Brody stories or voicemails or whatever from Brody that were really good. Really good. Um uh, you know, but then, then it just got like Stuart Thompson was really good. And Willie Hunter talked about bro. I mean, they worked at the store. They, they knew him. I mean, Ren is easy. Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the show that I was at. And then it was just, I was saw, I saw these people and I was like, and they, there was a few comics that didn't even bring up Brody and did their act. Why well, not? It was like, like, I could not, but I thought, I personally thought that was really disrespectful. You guys um, are out of fucking control. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was, I felt it was a bunch of Palmers, Earl. It was a bunch of Palmers. Oh, I saw it with Ralphie. I've seen it with other. Uh, I forget there was a recent comic, pretty big name, within the last year that killed themselves, uh, and uh, you know, R.I.P. tweets. Right. Uh, it's like you didn't even know him or her. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just like unbelievable. Yeah, you know. Um, again, I think with with podcasts and you know, all the content out there, Netflix, you feel like you, you might know them more, but you, you didn't. And you don't, I, the, when people make a death about them and they make, you know, losing someone about themselves and they make it public, it's hard. It's cringeworthy. Um, but at the same time I got the heat, you know, I heard stories I never heard about Brody. Um, that just made me laugh like hysterically on, Comedy store podcast. There was just so many good ones, um, you know. And uh, 
the thing is, isn't like even Luke Perry dies and other people from 90210, like, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, like David Silver. So Brian Austin Green, they didn't, he didn't post anything about it on his Instagram. And then people just blast him, like, that don't know him. Like, why didn't you bring up Luke or to, uh, Tori Spelling? And it was like, people need to grieve their own way. Like these people actually knew him. They were friends. Like why, why do you need to make this about yourself? Why do you, why does everybody need to, to say something public? You know, that's their way to grieve. I know comics that knew him well, that didn't tweet anything about it. Didn't talk about a podcast. Like an Ari Shafir, I was looking to maybe he would say something and he didn't, but you can't fault him for it. That was his way to cope with it. You know, that's the way I look at it. Ari, uh, deals with grief. Uh, like he had a funny tweet uh, when Mitzi passed. It was of course it wasn't suicide, but uh, he's like, uh, and literally, it's like ten minutes after she died. Uh, now Mitzi has to showcase for all the comics she made uh, commit suicide, and it's just like, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's I, that's something. But that's I, his I way. But that's how he deals. You right. uh, Mitzi passed Ari, like right. Uh, Mitzi gave basically was the reason Ari has everything he has now. Right, it all starts with some that first person who helps you. Like, uh, you know, Roast Battle got me the, the cartoon Showtime, and, and it got me with the voiceover agency I'm with now. I, I, that that's what Mitzi was uh, to Ari. So uh, that's how yeah. he deals with grief. Uh, right. Uh, no, know. I know, and that's but you know, to me, it's just when people criticize how other people deal with something. I just think you're out of line there. I think that's not, you know, it's not your business, how somebody else handles something, you know, um, unless it directly affects you, you know, let them deal with it the way they're going to deal with it. Now uh, what, uh, meds, uh, uh, you know, cause that was the huh? thing, uh, with Brody. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, uh, I don't want to get into rumors or sure. secondhand info, but like when someone, uh, either stops meds uh-huh. cold turkey or switches meds, you know, just like, uh, you know, explain what that uh-huh. does to a person's brain. Cause I, I've known people who've, uh, you know, like when I was on Prozac, I quit at cold turkey just because right. I couldn't get a fucking boner. Sure. Like I was dating <laughs> a hot girl and I mean, this girl had a 10 body. I mean, like, wow. Uh, but I couldn't get it up. I was right. like, this is crazy. I, I I have to, and I stopped cold turkey. And uh, you know, I know Brody was on several, right? Uh, like Lamictal and Lexapro yeah. and Prozac, and like, uh-huh. uh huh, like you know what? Uh, how do meds? Because you know you've taken yeah, meds, a lot still of meds. Do. Uh, right? Yeah. How do they when you go mm-hmm. off of them? Because mm-hmm. I think people. You know, when they heard Brody went off his meds, they think, well, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal because if you've gone off and got and went back on him and then gone off again, the worst thing you could do is start and stop, start and stop. But why um, is that? Because it's basically like when your body gets used to something, whether it's working out or whatever, it might be a lot of sleep and then you stop and then it's not used to it, then you go again. So it's just, you need to stay consistent. If you're going to if you're not going to take them and you're going to do other things, whether it's yoga or going to support groups or herbal supplements or whatever it might be, if that works for you, stay consistent with that. Um, I think, uh, but you have to, you can't start for me. I've done this. You, you, you self-medicate. So you're like, you know, I don't need this one. I'm going to, they're telling me to take 10 milligrams. I'm going to take 20 or this one, you know, I'm not going to take it all. 
you have to consult with your doctor and let them know, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. What do you think? Um, only because they they know or they're supposed to know what to do here. You got to communicate what you're doing at all times because um, if you don't, you're gonna you, you know you're gonna crash. Like w- when I stopped taking a medication, um, and I, I tried to just go off for eight months, um, you you crash once you know like you're feeling it's mania, so you're going up 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 up, and then the second it your your brain catches up to what you did, it for me it just you know, it's like a roller coaster. You just straight down drop. And, um, the, you know, I, I heard, I heard that about Brody, you know, whether it was a med change or him going off the meds. Um, and he talked about it, I think on a periscope, um, he talked about it to other people. I talked about it on a podcast. The, the thing is, is he was so open about that stuff. And that's very rare, not just not to be open about mental illness. That's rare, but to be open about what you are on or that you stopped medication is such a rarity. Um, I've lied about it before. I've told people I'm on my medication, but I wasn't. Um, Brody was honest. And the thing is, is that it, it just, it fucks up your brain to, to just to start doing something and then stop it. Need, you need to, in order for it to grow and to continue to stay strong and to, to do what it needs to do to balance serotonin levels, you need to continue to take the same medication that the doctors are prescribing. If it works, if not, you let them know they'll switch it out, but the, not to cold Turkey. They're going to easily, you know, kind of gradually go off of it. Um, and then there's times that you need to take it. There's, you know, some of them are on empty stomachs or not. And there's a whole thing, but it's all on the label. And I was against medication for a long time, but I realized I needed it. And it's okay as a guy to ask for help and it's okay to take something. For a long time, I thought I could beat depression without taking medication. And the truth is I can't. You know, it's part of the process. It's not everything for me. I do other things that help, whether, you know, I my girlfriend helps me a lot. She goes to all my support groups with me. Um, and my fa- friends and family are, are always checking in. Um, I'm trying to eat better here and there and I go, I I can't exercise as much as other people might, but I get outside, I walk, um, I stay active as much as I can. And, um, but I, I also take medication and I also, um, you know, do, do everything I need to do to get by. Uh, and, and my thing is another thing that that's really been hard for me is I got a concussion, uh, in February. How? Uh, I was at work. Uh, I got kicked in the head. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, it was a whole thing. It, it happened at work. It was a work-related injury. Um, I worked with uh, adults with developmental disabilities. I got kicked in the head uh, four times. But the thing is, is now I'm going to physical therapy. I go three to five times a week with all these doctor's appointments. Uh, and I've been talking to neurologists and everything. And it's already, I already have a, a, a tough hand when it comes to my brain. So I was like, the worst thing that could happen is a head injury for me, right. you know? So I was like, what can this do? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with like CT and all that stuff. So I was like, what do, you know, like, what can this do down the line? I'm, I'm worried that this is going to trigger me. Um, and they said, I'm doing everything I need to right now and staying on my, it's doing everything I just talked about and, but it's going to all these appointments too. Right. So, um, so, so that happened and, and that's hard. And, but like, I just got back into work and I work at a, a teen center for depression 
Um, and it's been very helpful because um, it's, it's hard because it's a little bit of a trigger because when I was diagnosed, I was 16 and I'm working with kids that are that age. So it's, it's hard because I see a lot of myself in them, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's good because I can share my story. Maybe not yet. You're maybe down the line. Um, but I can relate to them and I, and I think I can give the right advice because I've been there. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a subject that there's no right or wrong way to deal with it everyone has their own you know uh, devices you know i use exercise and stand up to a degree sure Uh, but even then when you have a bad set it makes you even more depressed right uh you know but then when you have a good set it's it goes back to the manic yeah uh you know issues that i probably have and you know, I like to rough it out. I don't use medicine. No, but that, that again, there's no right or wrong way. Like you said, just because you, you know, some people are like, well, you should be doing, you know, I, when people that aren't doctors are telling me you should, you know, uh, go on medication or you should stop taking medication. I mean, they're not professionals. You need to do what's best for you. And if you've tried it or, and it didn't work for you and what you're doing now works better then do that. I always tell people, I'm not a professional. I'm not going to tell anybody. I never give advice on medication other than see your doctor. If you feel like you need to go on it, um, and do what the doctor says. But other than that, also you got to be stern about it. You you know, if it doesn't work for you, you have to communicate to the doctor. This isn't working for me. Uh, I want to try something else. And if that doctor isn't working out, you got to get another doctor. It's, you got to find your right cocktail, whether it's a therapist or a psychiatrist, you have to, it's going to be like a relationship. You might date people that you don't like. You got to go on to the next one. You got to find the right one. Um, and that's, that, that's hard for everyone. As you go to these support groups. A lot of people have that problem. Well, and I also think uh, people look at the Brody situation and go, this guy had uh, literally hundreds of people he could have called right before he did what he did. Uh, you know, like, right. why didn't he? So well, people who don't have hundreds of people and maybe are loners or, uh, you know, just yeah. quiet, you know, it's got to be even worse for them because they, right. Brody felt like he had no one to talk to. Can you imagine what? someone who's like very shy and insecure sure. sheltered uh how they feel like well you also don't know that he didn't talk to anybody before like nobody knows i if don't he, if he caught well yeah may, maybe some people can went through his phone or whatever but like at the same time it's like um i knew a girl that that, that took her life and the last person she allegedly messaged was somebody that i didn't even know she knew and she just was like on Facebook Messenger and messaged them, and they were like were away from their computer, and then uh, she went in front of a train. But that person held on to it for 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 a long time. But at the end of the day, if somebody's gonna do something, they're they're gonna do it. There's nothing that that anybody else can do or say. And and maybe maybe they could you can help them for that day or week or month. But like I said earlier, um, I believe that that some people the deal with mental illness, uh, th- their support system kept them alive for, for a few ye- more years than they would have originally been. And I, and I, I believe that with Brody and it's just a sad thing. And, uh, I, you know, um, yeah, it's, just, uh, it's, it's, it's rough. And I, I honestly wish I didn't know as much as I do about depression. I wish we could have a conversation that wasn't about it, but I know that people ask me, 
uh, about depression a lot and it's because I'm so open about it, but I'm open about it because that is one of the things that helps me cope with it. And I've got a lot of messages of people saying, thank you for being honest and open. And, and that's, that means a lot to me. Well, I mean, I think that people should talk about it and you know, it's, it's cool to have someone like you on who knows what they're talking about. I mean, you've been right. through the ups and downs of serious depression and yeah. So my hope is when we do an episode like this, it helps someone like, oh, maybe you can call, right. call yeah. someone, call anyone, call, uh, you know, sure. even someone you don't like that much, you know, hey man, I'm in a rough spot, you know, call suicide prevention, right? Uh, call a comedy store. I know they're setting up a comedian's assistance fund. Good. Uh, you know, we had a meeting for it a couple, uh, maybe two weeks ago and, you know, if there's anything that good that came from Brody's uh, suicide, it's because he was so well liked that you know the the whole LA comedy community is really bonded. That's amazing. You have, uh, alt comics talking to roast battle comics, and you have comedy store comics like kind of bonding with you know Hermosa Magic uh, comics who normally you know you wouldn't see those two worlds collide. So. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can, you're never going to eliminate depression, but uh, hopefully we can uh, make it more uh, tolerable. Right. And uh, Yeah, for sure. Know, I know Joe Rogan has had plenty of uh, episodes about depression with yeah. doctors and, uh, you know, people, uh, experts in that field. So Yeah, his podcast is amazing. And uh, Oh, he's great. He's probably the only one I really listen to just because yeah. uh, he has such a wide variety of guests and he's really good at uh sucking knowledge out of them right uh i so. met him one time and i went up to him and i said hey uh you know i just i'm a big fan your podcast has helped me a lot with my depression thank you and uh he said, oh thank you so much for saying that and then i walked away and i said thank you and and because i didn't want to have i didn't like you, you know that i don't know what that that saying is but you don't want to meet your heroes because and like, like, you know, you don't want them to be some, you want them to be everything that you think they are. And, and he was nothing but kind. And I did the same thing with Mark Marin, And then I walked away. I just said what I wanted to say. They acknowledged me and then I walked away and that was it. Like, uh, but I mean, again, podcasts have really helped me and, and I did my own and I need to get back at it. And, uh, yeah. Didn't you, you had a podcast called talking depression. Right? Yeah. Discussing depression. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, and no, you were, you were a guest and I really appreciate it. And I got to get back on, uh, I got to get back on that for sure. Um, why did you stop? Honestly, I, I had a, a really bad depression episode and I just stopped and it was hard to get back on just like, you know, medication, just, just like anything else. Um, and it gave me anxiety to think about doing it again. Um, and now I want to get back at it. And honestly, like since this Brody unfortunate situation happened, uh, I've looked at different things that I want to do to, to help. And one thing I, I did is I reached out to my high school, um, Simi Valley High School, and uh, I'm going to share my story about depression uh, to a health class of, that my friend uh, teaches. Um, and he's the basketball coach there. And, uh, sometime this semester, I'm going to go and, and share my story to a few different classes there and hopefully share it at other local schools and, and get my story out. Cause uh, every time I've done your podcast, Earl, somebody's reached out and said, Hey, thank you so much for being open about it. I really thought what you said, it, it really resonated with me. Um, whether it's your podcast or any other podcast I've done, 
um, there are, I, I get a few people reaching out and, um, I, I, if, if my story, I'm not expecting it to reach a ton of people, but if it reach, and it's going to sound cliche, but hopefully it, reaches, it does. Yeah. I hope so. But if it reaches one, then my job is done. Like I, I'm just trying to, and, and the good thing about doing stand up is, you know, I did it a couple of years, three years and, uh, I can, and now I know how to shut down hecklers, you know, appropriately if I need to. And, uh, I have the tools for that. And, um, I'm ready to share my story, man, and, and help people, um, that are, that are dealing with depression or any other mental illness and just to know that they are not alone. Well, I mean, standup is not really a great business to be in if you have mental issues. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I mean, it, mental issues under the best of circumstances is a tough, uh, journey to have to navigate through, but in standup, Hollywood really in general, the entertainment business, uh, but especially standup because, uh, Stand-up, it's one-on-one. -on -one. You know, like, you do well, it's great because you get the credit, but when you don't do well, uh, you know, it's all on you. Yeah, that's you, true. You got to go home at night and, you know, deal with bad jokes or a bad set, and, you know, you, that could get you manic real fast. Right. Uh, you know, I know I, I've certainly, you know, had some bad sets. Uh, and, you know, you, I come here and I either Lois is here or, I'm alone and it's like, this sucks. Right. And then, you know, I usually will watch like Sons of Anarchy to, you know, just navigate my mind from the bad thoughts. So, right. You know, it's probably not the, the way most people would do it to, you know, watch a show about a Hell's Angels uh, motorcycle gang. But, uh, sure. You know, I just want my mind to scramble out the bad thoughts. So I need to watch like mindless, guilty pleasure TV sure. or music. That's why I like, you know, the music I like, you know, you, you listen to, you know, 80s metal, Bon Jovi or whatever. They're not singing about the rainforest or politics. Uh, Kiss right. in the mid 80s talking about pussy. Uh, right. And it just helps my mind, you know, get off of, you know, whatever I'm depressed about at that moment now to some people listening to kiss would give them depression uh no i mean yeah because of i knew i was going to be on this show i actually wore this shirt guns and roses shirt yeah i mean what there's f uh five guys uh if you take the original guys uh you know they probably have depression issues you think well how could they have depression issues i right. guarantee you they do sure I guarantee you uh, you know, they put out an album that didn't do as well as they thought it would, and oh, we're not we're not the kings anymore. The the killers are the new right. Guns and Roses, and then you know, there's you know, uh, so if Guns and Roses can suffer depression and and they're on the drugs that they were on, uh, right? You know, but now you look at say someone like Duff, who's the bass player in that band. You know, he's into yoga now and karate, and yeah, uh, you know he. Uh, probably should have been dead a long time ago. Uh, that's how he deals with his uh, mental issues is through physical fitness. And, right. uh, you know, Axel, uh, you know, probably deals with it through he's kind of a workaholic. You know, he just absorbs himself into new music. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know what Slash does, but I'm sure he has something, you know, that you know, he's a workaholic. You know, he goes from Guns N' Roses to his own band, uh, who I'm lucky to know, Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Nice. Uh, but like Slash is constantly working. Uh, I don't, no one's ever said this, but I, I just don't think he wants to be home alone. Like, yeah, no. So I he mean, thinks 
Sure. Like, you know, bad thoughts. Like, you know. Constantly staying busy is important for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I listened to your last podcast uh, or a few podcasts ago, I should say, about the dirt. Um, and I watched it before I listened to it. And and I, I don't know if you touched on this, but I did want to add, you're like the, the resident 80s metal, of course, uh, you know, um, like... You know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here. Expert. Uh, experts. The the word. There it is. Um, you know, one thing that they showed is like they had that one fight in the. I'm sorry to bring it a, a different uh, direction here, but uh, they had a they they had a one like were they constantly like were they instantly successful because it seems like they just had that one show and there was more people than any other first show I've seen in any band, you know, uh, biopic. And they, uh, there was a good amount of people there and they made a few people made fun of them. There was a fight and then somebody started clapping and then they, they were fans and they had no like struggle they didn't show any of the struggle of motley crew were they instantly successful right away no i mean that movie was not very accurate uh you know the scene you're talking about happened uh at the starwood and it was in front of like 600 people like right. in, in the dirt movie they uh almost seemed like they were playing at a cowboy bar or something yeah it looked like the viper like, room kind yeah of. it might have been uh, i forget the the club that they used in the actual movie but there was like 20 people in there now vince neal did get spit on right uh someone spit on his leather pants which are, are you know i know how that feels if someone spit on my leather pants i'd fucking kill him <laughs> uh but uh, the movie was just wildly inaccurate. Right. Um, right. So, uh, you know, it was just little things that, you know, like in 1981, they had Tommy Lee wearing a Hulkamania shirt when Hulkamania didn't start till 84. Like, so it's just, does that make the movie bad? No. But it just shows they didn't even bother to like, right. do proper research. And in the Vince Neil car crash where he killed the uh, drummer from Hanoi Rocks, yeah. uh, Razzle, uh, in the movie, it was a Corvette, but in real life, it was a Pantera. And it's oh, just like, that's just lazy li filmmaking. You could have just Wikipedia a lot of well, Yeah, I mean, and people were like, well, uh, they didn't have it in the budget to get a Pantera and wreck it because that's a very rare uh, sports car, especially the 72 Pantera that Vince Neil had. But, you know, you just do what Miami Vice did, which was uh, they didn't use a real fucking Testarossa. They had, a, I think, a cheaper Ferrari, and they just put a Testarossa shell over it, right. so it looked like a much more expensive car. Sure. Uh, and then, you know, even the first scene where it opens up the whiskey, 1981, and there's a Fast Times poster on uh, one of the whiskey marquee walls, and it's like, well, Fast Times didn't come out till '82. Right. So, like, <laughs> that's just like, and there's so many, like, yeah. Uh, they had Heather Locklear meeting Tommy Lee at the party where Razzle got killed. Uh, she met him at an Ario Speedwagon concert. Right. Uh, you know, they had uh, Nikki Six basically uh, being, uh, you know, Nikki Six was legally dead, I think, for like two or three minutes from a heroin overdose, but he was with uh, Slash. Gun, uh, Axl Rose and Robin Crosby from Rat, uh, and they, they didn't show that they had them just like in a room alone. It's like it's just yeah. so I could keep going. I mean, no. it's really like, uh, were you like when you were watching this, were you getting like angry? I got depressed? Oh, you did okay. Well, there you go. I almost called Dr. Helvenstein uh, on the Cannon Drive and asked him to fire me up the old Prozac, uh, 
you know, but it was just like because of the inaccuracies of the dirt. Well, but there were so many. No, I get it. Not just like uh, they they didn't show Nikki Six beating the shit out of Vanity. Right. They they totally, uh, um, you know, glossed over the Pam Anderson era. uh, Yeah. uh, Chandler had some great points. She said like. They had current headphones, like today's headphones. Yeah. And it was like, what? Like, it was just, I, I, now I can't watch it because now I'm going to see all the things you guys pointed out, which um, I'm glad I li- watched the movie first and then listened. But I um, mean, they could have literally hired an intern uh, or, or just had some 80s metal dude from a band. Hey, you know, we'll, we'll uh, we'll put you in the movie, you know, we're not going to pay you, but like, we just need you to fact check for us or something. Right. Uh, you know, did this happen? Uh, what was the timeline? Did the Vince Neil when his daughter died, which is obviously a horrible, uh, event they had in the wrong era. Uh, you know, it's like, that's just, you can't get the timeline right. Well, for when right. his kid died and, and then when he left the band, uh, you know, they glossed over his solo career, which was pretty successful, at least the first album, uh, you know, you don't, you don't like even mention that. And they, Mick Mars, he, he had the uh, hip surgery. They got in the wrong era. Um, you know, just like, it, it's literally like something that could have, someone just could have read a Wikipedia page and go, okay. Right. But, you know, and they totally glossed over, uh, you know, Kiss taking them out on their first tour, which would have been a great storyline because Kiss was really failing in the United States and Motley Crue was climbing like great heights. That that would have been a funny... Oh, yeah. That would have been an interesting scene to, to you know, have Gene and Paul be bitter about these younger dudes. And I'm sure that actually happened, which is why uh, I think they got kicked off the Kiss tour because I think Kiss was jealous. Uh, you, you know, there's just so many... You know, now in one sense, I'm overanalyzing a movie about an 80s metal band, but, you know, why make it if you're not going to do the right... Sure. ...a a good job? And they they even made up that Doc McGee, their manager, got fired because he brought Nikki Six's mom to the hotel, and Doc McGee just gave an interview. He said, I never even met Nikki's mom. Right. Like, he was really fired, and this would have been a great scene... uh, he was they did the moscow music festival and the whole thing was all the bands were supposed to be sober and so they all flied on the same plane together it was skid row it was uh, uh molly crew cinderella bon jovi and they were all told you get the same stage there's no uh explosions and laser beams everyone's just a you know you guys play whatever songs you want but everyone gets the same stage set up so no one's going to outshine and of course, Bon Jovi got the full stage laser beams, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and full sound and lighting shit. And then Motley Crue had to go out there and do a bare bones, like for them anyway. And they fired him because of that. It's like, why change? Like, why not put that in? Yeah, I I, I don't get it. Uh, has any movie about an '80s band or anything that you really like, whether any? biopic recently or or not recently um got it right or no. close to right well even like uh at the biggest boner uh gaff of them all was they left out Motley crew the thing that really broke them in the states and, and worldwide was playing the us festival which was uh steve wozniak from apple the co-founder of apple put together this music festival in uh where uh blockbuster pavilion is i don't know what they call it now 
it's off the 15. Um, you know, uh, and they played in front of like two or 300,000 yeah. people with the Aussie and Van Halen. And uh, you, you don't even mention that they like, it's just insane. And then the Freddie Mercury or the Queen documentary, it's like Freddie Mercury died of AIDS for a reason. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. show it. I mean, that's a biography. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so they, I, I, I think that's why Sha Sasha Baron Cohen didn't, didn't like continue to do the role. Yeah, I think he wanted to do the warts and all. Like yeah. Freddie Mercury's probably the greatest singer of all time, but you know, like I said, he he died of AIDS. You yeah. don't die of AIDS through uh, playing gin rummy on the tour bus. Yeah, uh, no, I get that. And so I, but I think the problem is like the Motley Crue movie, the Queen movie uh, was uh, not. It was done in coordination with the bands. So I'm sure in the Motley Crue movie, Nikki Six was like, "Yeah, uh, I beat the shit out of Vanity, but we're not going to show that." Right. And I know that Brian May and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen had uh, some uh, disagreements on how to portray, uh, you know, Freddie Mercury. I mean, and uh, so that's why he left the project. But uh, sure. You know, I just think you should, like, if they do a movie about Kiss, you know, the, you know, Kiss was like maniacs. I mean, Gene and Paul were straight laced, but Ace and Peter were complete drug addicts and booze bags. Uh, you know, I want to see that. Right. You know, uh, Vinnie Vincent, if they go into, like, non-original Kiss members, was a complete uh, out-of-control psycho. Well, uh, it's like if they did a, a Guns N' Roses biopic and they don't show Steve Adler and how he got kicked out of Guns N' Roses for doing too many drugs. Which is insane. That, that would be ridiculous if they didn't if they didn't show that. Yeah, I mean, like, I want to see that. Yeah. I don't want to see, uh, you know, it's just the way in the Motley Crue movie that they glossed over so many things and, like, they tried to make them sympathetic figures. It's like, these guys were fucking scumbags. Right. Uh, you don't think they were fucking underage girls and, and stuff like that? And, right. You know, if they ever do a Michael Jackson document, like a movie, not a documentary, like, I'm sure they're going to leave out what he did. Um, but, uh, but that's how I like my movies. Right. I like you know uh, you like your movies like you like your podcast you keep it real real well i mean if you're gonna do a movie about uh you know like liberace the the movie behind the candle bra yeah i don't know how to say that word uh something can it's not candle bra um it's you guys know what i'm talking about yeah that was what it was michael douglas michael douglas but it kind of portrayed matt damon, i think was in that uh yeah matt damon yeah. was the lover and uh it kind of portrayed liberace as a somewhat of a scummy guy and that's who he was yeah you know it's like you gotta it, be accurate i mean you know like uh i think i don't i know i guess part of it is because some people pass away and they feel like they need to do that but it's like you have to tell the story as the story was so you know i yeah i never understood that i have a few questions for you if you don't mind but it's also like for sure, sure uh but it's also like Elvis Presley. I mean, it's known fact that he was fucking underage girls. I right. mean, like nobody talks about that as much as they talk about the R. Kelly stuff or the Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do a movie, and there's, I, I know Kurt Russell was, I, I think, in a movie about Elvis because he kind of did look just like him. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, show that. I mean, don't yeah. just show Elvis and Priscilla uh, holding, uh, you know, their daughter in the park. That that one famous picture. Like, show. Him porking a 14 year old. You don't have right. to show it, but like, you know, I mean, that's a scummy guy, you know? If and, they did and, a, 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 
it, you know, it's, there's certain people nowadays with, with all the Me Too stuff, if you don't show Harvey Weinstein and what he did, but you just have a biopic on him just being an asshole, but you don't show what he did, all that ugh, unfortunate stuff with the, with, you know, the girls in Hollywood and um, he should have done the dirt. He probably would have been like, yeah, let's put this in. <laughs> oh, you guys fucked a 15 year old backstage at the uh, forum. We're putting that in. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah if they, if that's the perfect. That's a great example of they will do a Harvey Weinstein uh, movie. Probably yeah. uh, HBO or Showtime. Netflix or could do Netflix it. Netflix is it's right up their alley. Uh, he was a scummy guy. Show yeah. it. Show him fucking uh, who could play him. I mean, you'd have to really. I mean, Christian Bale was a dead ringer for uh, Dick Cheney, so yeah. I mean, he'd be my first choice because he's like the Could literal, add, yeah, the weight definition of a, a method actor, right? Um, they did an Entourage episode where they call him Harvey Harvey Weingard, and uh, <laughs> and he was such an asshole in this actor, and I think the actor passed away, but that guy was great. Um, but I had a couple questions for Fire you. Fire away. Um, and it's going to be completely different of anything we were talking about. But I'm, I'm a huge well, I think we covered the depression. Yeah, we uh, did. And and honestly, I, I do want to say this now. If anybody wants somebody to talk to, I'm around. My my Twitter is Casey Moran one C A S E Y M O R A N number one Casey Moran eleven um, on Instagram. You could direct message me or uh, Casey Moran on Facebook, and I'm friends with Earl on there. Um, so if you want to find me, my email is Casey Moran zero at gmail.com. Um, email me, tweet, Instagram, Facebook message, Facebook comment, whatever. And, uh, you know, reach out. You can, you don't have to give me too many details, but if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm here. Um, and, uh, you please. know, if you, if you don't feel like talking to Casey, cause you know, it's, it is weird. Like when you don't know someone like, sure. uh, you know, call, and this is, you're going to be calling a stranger here too, but the, uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is uh, 1-800-273-8255. Can you get that out one more time? Uh, 1-800-273-8255. And, you know, they'll, uh, I think it's, uh, if you, I'm uh, trying to find I've it, called uh, it multiple times and they, they do help. But it is hard to talk to a stranger, but there are people that, that are, that want to help. They're in the field to help. And it's also, if you go on to uh Suicide Prevention Lifeline dot org. Uh, you can uh, online awesome. chat and uh, yeah. email. I guess uh, I don't know. If you don't want to physically, you know, talk to someone because you don't feel like talking, you could message them. I mean, I guess chat. if you're going to kill yourself, you're not going to email someone for help. But uh, you know, you probably phone call. But uh, right. But you should you should use the sort. There's a bunch of resources in every city. Um, I I got a lot of help. There's social workers. There's 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 groups there's uh day programs there's all types of things there's there's so much help out there if you have any questions and, and earl's right it is hard to talk to someone you don't know but if if there's anything i can do to help please or or please utilize the the hotline or the chat rooms or anything that that there is because i gotta tell you when i was younger there wasn't this many and there was there was a hotline but there wasn't this many resources that i knew of yeah, you're not alone. I mean, right. I get depressed. People yeah. look at me and go, "Oh, he's got a big dick and money, and <laughs> he's on TV or whatever." But uh, you know, I get turned down for shit all the time. Uh, you right. know, I'm, I've been 
you think what could Earl be depressed about? His podcast is, you know, whatever, semi-popular and all that. And, you know, I could, on a daily basis, I suffer. But, uh, you know, either go to a gym or call someone like Casey or the hotline Please. or call the comedy store. I don't think it's set up yet, but there is a comics assistance. Uh, I want to get involved in that. I, I got a couple connections out there. I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I'll contact uh, someone. And, you know, hopefully uh, all the other comedy clubs can, uh, you know, get together. And, you know, you'd think that the comedy store and the improv and the Laugh Factory and all those clubs are like competitors. Right. And, uh, but when it comes to uh, something like this, I, I could see all the clubs in the city bonding and uh, setting up something in some capacity. Sure. Uh, Tripoli, Sam Tripoli that has a lot of uh, shows that where the funds go towards... Uh, uh, that field of uh, depression right. and suicide. Uh, Nami, he, he did all. Uh, Nami is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and the show that I went to, all the proceeds went to Nami. So all the shirts, everything that was purchased, the tickets, the you know, um, I think drink sales, all that stuff. A, a, a huge portion of that went to Nami, which is huge, and they do they're a legit organization. So um, I think that's that covers the depression part of this podcast. And before we go, what questions do oh, you have for got a couple. daddy? <laughs> so uh, I am a huge fan of this podcast, even before I was on it. And uh, I wanted to know, like, do you have a, a favorite guest that you've had on this podcast? And if you do, why? Is there somebody that wowed you that you didn't think would share a certain story or someone that you didn't know that you're like, wow, this is this is entertaining. You don't have to. I'm not going to ask any negatives. I'm not going to. Do that. I'm not. Well, I've really only had one bad uh, guest, and and I think this will be the 273rd episode. Of course, I've had about ten where I did my own just solo shows because a guest flaked. Or, right. but out of the 200 and probably 50 overall guests I've had, I, I've been very lucky to uh, really only have one bad interview. Um, and it's just because this particular person didn't want to talk about what they were famous for, which I kind of get like, you know, any podcast I go on or not that I go on TV shows, but like any, any interview shows, whether it be phone or, or Skype or, you know, the first five questions are roast battle related. They're not about the, the Kennedy, uh, no, it's, uh, wow. you know, I'm getting a couple more about the jellies now, just cause yeah. that's the, the, the current thing I'm, uh, it's really the only thing I'm on TV right now. Uh, but like, you know, Roast Battle is such a wildly popular show that uh, still, which is amazing that it's lasted this long, uh, just because, you know, usually in L.A. comedy, a show burns out after a year or so. Right. Uh, but it's like the first five questions are, you know, hey, what was it like? you know, being on Comedy Central five nights and six days, beating Jimmy Carr, beating Kate Trevor Wilson in Canada, losing to Sarah Tiana, you know, doing the weekly show for as long as you did it. And it's like, there's only so many uh, ways to answer those questions. You sure. know? Uh, so I can kind of see where she uh, was coming from, but it's like in the other sense, it was like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about then? Right. Like, it's you know and, and she she was known for a few things but like you know now i kind of get okay you're just done answering the questions but uh, you know when you don't have like a tremendous body of like work like you know with rob riggle you know he's been a working actor for a zillion years he's, he was on snl he was on uh the daily show he's he's 
got, you know, I think if you go on IMDb right now, he's got five movies or TV things he's doing in 2019 yeah. alone. 21 Jump Street. Yeah. So there's you know? like uh, so many things to ask him. Uh, yeah. You know, you look at uh, like Jeff Ross was great just because of, uh, you know, his history of, of New York comedy and right. which I really loved because I'm a fan of, uh, you know, New York comics and, uh, you know, some of the street comics that, uh, Charlie Barnett, the great Charlie Barnett, which most people it's criminal. They don't, uh, know who he is, but he basically auditioned for SNL. He got through all the levels yeah. until, uh, you talked to Barry Katz about him. Didn't you? Yeah, Barry, Barry Katz, Katz was a well. great, uh, yeah, I love that episode. I mean, that was probably my favorite, uh, guest. And I, I was, he's a controversial figure because I had several big name, a level comics go, please don't release that episode. Cause he, you know, they allege that he had, uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe uh, his business dealings weren't completely above board, but, uh, you know, he never fucked me over. So, uh, although I was scared to release the episode cause I didn't want to burn bridges with these particular comics. Um, I did it, and because uh, uh, it was, you know, I, I'm uh, all good with the show roast battle and Comedy Central, but there was a time when I was not uh, pleased with how I was treated, and uh, to have someone like uh, Barry on, uh, you know, he kind of took the Comedy Central side of, well, this is what they were thinking, because he's right. dealt with them a million times. Um, you know, and I was like, well, this is what I was thinking because this is what was happening. Right. Uh, and so it was a great, it was really the two sides of the same story. Like, uh, right. And I still think I'm right. Uh, and, and Barry and, and I've, I've had many conversations with comedy central executives who basically said what Barry has said. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he was probably my favorite guest from the standpoint of, uh, you know, it, it showed 50-50 both sides of right. the story. It was like listening to CNN and then turning to Fox News and hearing their take. So uh, Nice. But uh, one thing I, I like do love that. about this podcast is there's not one person I haven't had on that I haven't wanted on. Like right. even the one guest who wasn't the greatest interview, uh, I wanted them on it. Right. So, and, and, you know, a lot of people tell me no, you know. Sure. I, uh, I still get told no a lot, but uh, you know, uh, a lot of people t tell me yes. Uh, you know, meet from Porky's, Tony Ganos, uh, who Porky's to me is like probably what American Pie is to you. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's American Pie was like your generation's Porky's. Yeah. Uh, he said, Yeah, I'll do it anytime I'm in LA. And it was like, Oh, wow. Uh, you know, Rob Riggle was like, Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, and I loved having some of the NHL players I've had on Dustin Penner, right. Theo Fleury, even today. And I know we have the King game on in the background. Uh, one of the King's announcers, Jim Fox. Oh yeah, who's uh, if you're a hockey fan, you obviously know who he you is. Get him on here. Uh, he said after the season he would do it. Oh nice. So uh, gotta get Bob Miller. He's but, like the nicest. Well, because there's this very famous, and I'm sure I'm going to lose listeners talking about this. So there was a very famous 1981 uh, playoff brawl between the uh, LA Kings and the New York Rangers. And it was just like a 15 minute uh, bench clearing brawl at the end of the period. And so all both teams were on the ice and it was just like a powder keg. It's just one shove developed into 
you know, just pure mayhem. And uh, Jim Fox's teammate in junior hockey, the great Ed Boxcar Hospodar, uh, started the brawl for the Rangers. <laughs> and it was just like interesting to see Jim Fox, who Ed Hospodar probably had protected yeah. in junior hockey. Now they were enemies. So uh, I want to talk to him about that. Oh, of course, that'd be great. He had a very long NHL career and successful yeah so uh that's awesome you know that'll be fun to you know uh i mean i don't know if jim fox has like a great social media um you know following but at, that's he ages a, great jim oh fox. yeah i mean full head of hair full, yeah. same color uh but that's um one that's almost more for me but that's what it should be you should have the conversations that you want to have and then the goal is that other people that don't know much about hockey learn something and they feel like they're in the room talking with you guys. Cause that's what you, you have an organic way to do things and you just go in and we don't have any, the only time I ever had questions written out was when I was asking you about, uh, you know, why you left Rose battle, but that was because I wanted to prepare for that. Everything else is just a generic conversation. And even that was off of questions. We, we had conversation. I have uh, two more questions. Please. That's no that rush. Of. Um, do you have a few dream guests that you would really want on living or even dead? Uh, who would be like a, a top three or five that you would absolutely want in this couch and it would be life changing for you? Uh, I'd probably want like Gene Simmons uh, just because I'm such a kiss fan that, uh, and I think he would appreciate my sense of humor. Uh, you know, I, I would love to have Paul Stanley on, but I, I could just, tell that i don't know if paul would necessarily be into my dry and sarcastic humor right. um rogan would you want well, to rogan would be great i mean just because uh he's really inspired you know every person who has a podcast uh to do it how he does it like he has his friends on yes but he also has people he doesn't know on like right he recently had uh david lee roth on from van halen yeah i listened to that and uh him talking about the radio stuff was really good yeah i mean i don't know what uh type of music joe necessarily listens to but something tells me he's not like a massive van halen fan so, but that's why his podcast is so great. Right. He'll have someone on who he's not necessarily a super fan of. He had wrestlers on Jake the Snake Roberts, and, and yeah, and uh, he's not a wrestling Di guy. Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page, yeah. uh, because he wanted to get into uh, DDP yoga, right? Um, and he has like flat earth people on, and Henry Rollins, and all these yeah. weird scientists, and he had a guy, uh, talking about the keto diet uh several people talking about that and so uh you know that's i think we're all aspiring to be uh the next rogan right from the standpoint of he does it his own way you know yeah. and that's what i love about him he does and he's nice to people he'll always sign an autograph or take a picture i've, I've noticed that he did that at that night that i went to brody's uh show and uh the memorial show and um and Burr's the same way as well. Like, yeah, he I was in the know. hallway and people were asking him to take pictures and it was like, you could tell he probably didn't want to do it, but he did it for yeah. everybody. I mean, he's crying and, you yeah. know, or whatever. And like he's, but like he does his podcast and his comedy overall his way. And like, I love that. He doesn't, uh, I mean, I certainly don't want to speak for him, but he 
speaks his mind. Yeah, I, I get the sense he doesn't care if you like it or not. He's going to say what he says. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that's how I'm trying to be now. I think in the past I've cared a little bit too much about what people think. Uh, and uh, I, think I, I think I have too. I think know. a lot of people can relate to that. Well, you know, it depends what you're saying. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm doing Comedy Central's festival in June. Cluster Fest. Uh, but I'm I think excited about that. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, I might go to that. I'm thinking. I think about you going. should. Yeah, but I think in part, uh, you know, you would think that me and Comedy Central probably wouldn't work together again just because of my aggressive uh, form of uh, communicating how displeased I was. But I think deep down they like, okay, this guy's like saying what he feels. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never slandered anyone or said anything too bad about the show or the network or jeff or moses i just said what was honestly on yeah. my mind and uh i think they in a weird way appreciated that right so uh got some really great people working over there oh yeah i mean uh <laughs> i mean your, your brother and, yeah. and uh i don't want to mention last names but you know jordy's awesome jordy and, is great um you know, uh, Joel, the, the yeah. main producer of Roast Battle. I mean, I guess he doesn't work at Comedy Central, but like he does a great job every season. Um, Christian, uh -huh. uh, another executive. Uh, you know, it's been very good to me and uh, reached out. And uh, so, yeah, if uh, you're in San Francisco, June 21st to the 23rd, I'll actually be doing a Roast Battle against an unnamed opponent. Nice. And that's not really my humor anymore, but... Uh, you know, I'm loyal to the show because it did get me a lot. It has gotten me a lot. So, uh, you know, I'll uh, battle someone I like, and it'll be a good battle, whoever it is. But uh, and then I get to do stand up, which I'm very excited about. You know, nice. If you, if you look at the comics on Clusterfest, it's Leslie, John Jones, Mulaney. It's Mulaney. It's Jeselnik. It's Todd Berry. Um, you know, Robin Tran. Uh, I like love that. Super. Uh, my favorite murder. The podcast. Uh, which Chandler loves. Uh, oh, nice. up there. So, uh, you know, it'll be uh, you know, interesting uh, to uh, be in front of that much industry. So. Right. Well, okay. Two more. Well, one more question. Um, it it kind of goes back to, to Brody. Um, is there anything that you wish you said to him? Or do you feel that everything within your friendship, you said everything you wanted to you, you told him, Hey man, like I really appreciate you. Cause one thing that I learned when people pass away is I don't know if I told him I love them enough. Like I heard people talk about to uh, Ari talk about Ralphie May. And he said, you know, I always told him, Hey, like I love you, man. And, and, uh, and said bye. And I knew, um, I, I thought maybe that would be the last time I saw him. Um, and, and I've heard people talk about it on Rogan's podcast. Like they always say they love, you know, when you get older, you're like, Hey man, I love you. And I don't do that enough. And I need to do that more. And I learned that through Brody that I don't, I should, I should be honest with my emotions to people and tell them how much I appreciate them to per in, in person. So is there anything that you wish you would have said to him? Um, because I feel like you were great friends with them. And you, you I mean, we were good friends. Yeah, I good mean, friends. we didn't go, go to like the movies and, uh, you know, with Brody, it was more like he was, to me, and this might come out the wrong way to some people, but he was like the little boy who cried wolf to me because he always talked about going on and off his meds for as long as I knew him for 15 years, uh, maybe 20 years. I mean, he was the first person I saw hosting Potluck. Uh, so, you know, I, after a while, you don't know if he's doing shtick or if he's being serious or, uh, you know, 
you know, so I don't know if there's anything. I mean, like I said, I, I spoke with him the night before he took his life, and uh, we had a great conversation about, you know, just comedy. And hey, I'll see you tomorrow night. Great. He didn't look sad or, you know, manic or depressed at all. I mean, clearly he was. But uh, no, I mean, you know, same thing with Ralphie. I mean, I knew I talked with Ralphie a lot uh, on DM usually because he was in Nashville. But uh, you know, I never picked up any. I mean, he didn't. You know, he had, he had a heart attack, so I, he didn't like take his life. But uh, you know, I, I probably could have done a little more in Ralphie's case. Going, right. hey man, do you want to like? Not that you're going to go to the gym or take boxing, but you know, maybe you should like not eat like you do or or you know do some of the other things uh, uh -huh. i probably could have done a little bit more for ralphie and you know with anna land who's a very cool uh you know uh, i don't want to say open micer because that's kind of a uh dismissive term but a, an unknown comic on the la scene uh you know she had a really uh, she, you know her brother killed himself and so she i don't think she ever fully recovered from that and uh yeah i probably could have done a little more just checking in on her um, I'll tell you this. I, I, very shortly after Brody uh, took his life, uh, you messaged me to see how I was, and that meant a lot to me. Oh yeah, you have to. Uh, you know, if the one thing that Brody uh, situation taught us all is to check in on each other. You know, uh, you know, if you have a friend who's going through a bad breakup, maybe check in on them a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I've reached out to certain people who. Uh, you know, you think I'm never going to talk to these people again, but, you know, you put your differences aside and just at least call and or text and say, hey, if you need to talk, I'm here for you. And, you know, the likelihood is they'll probably never call you uh, or me in, in particular, but, you know, maybe they will, you know. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, but with, to answer your question about Brody, you know, no, they're really, with him specifically, they're, you know, I just, I don't know if anyone really knew him. Uh, so there's nothing, you know, looking back that I think I could have said that right. would have prevented him from doing what he did. Sure. Um, I didn't want to end it on, on that note, but I just want to thank you so much for, for always inviting me on, but also um, reaching out and checking in, you know, when I really needed it. Um, you're, you're, you are a really great friend. And I really appreciate it. And uh you know, I, I love coming on this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. So thank you for having me. And, and the listeners that are like this guy again, just don't listen. Yeah, you know, don't I, listen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, if you don't like my podcast, don't listen to it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say I don't care. Obviously, I'm doing this. I don't need any hate tweets right now. I just yeah. don't need any negative. If you're going to tweet at me. Well, I don't. I think that's part of what happened to Brody was, uh, I think it's one of the things that actually pushed him over the edge was he, for whatever reason, uh, he posted, uh, at the time, I thought it was funny, uh, the negative reviews about his uh, stand-up special. Right. And, like, I learned after my, uh, I've told the story a few times before, I think someone said, hey, you should go on Reddit and see what they think about you and Rose. Wasn't Battle. it the Opie Anthony, Anthony thread, too? Yeah. The, well, yeah. someone, uh, it was like a thread about Jimmy Carr. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't think I beat Jimmy. And so those fucking maniacs are like saying i hope this guy me dies he sucks he's not funny you know comedy central rigged it for him to win and it's like did you really think comedy central was rigging it for me to win uh i don't think so right uh 
so uh but that taught me i don't look at reviews for anything i do right uh i mean Smart. periodically i'll go on apple podcast to see if anyone left me a new review uh yeah. because it, with apple podcast it's you know your position on the charts is based in large part not right solely but in large part to the number of reviews and ratings you have so uh, every yeah. now and then i will check that but i won't go on youtube and check sure. out my stand-up comments or i don't go on reddit it's just right you know it's just it's smart i don't respect anyone's opinion on my comedy or this podcast unless they do it yeah if they're hiding behind their keyboard and they're not doing it themselves it's yeah. not hard to start a podcast it's not anyone can do it i mean if joe rogan comes out to me and i doubt joe listens to this podcast but i don't know maybe he does uh, I think he might have listened to the Tommy Morris episode, uh, which is probably my second favorite episode just because I was, was going to ask. Uh, it was the look into the mind of a fucking madman, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, if Joe says, hey, you know, you might want to, you know, not use these mics because I, I can hear uh, the the vibration of the hardwood floor, you know, here's some mics you should use if you have hardwood floors, which I do. Oh, okay. Well, he knows what he's talking about. If Mark Marin says, Hey, you know, I listened to how you interview people. You should maybe do it this way. He has a very highly rated podcast. I'm going to listen to him, but like some open micer in New York or Canada who doesn't have a podcast is shitting on this one. I don't care. I really don't. I, and I know usually when people say they don't care, they do care. Uh, but like, I've got to respect you to value your opinion. Right. So like, you know, if, uh, Jimmy Carr comes up to me and gives me advice. Uh, he gave me a tag once when he watched me. Uh, I've never been so nervous in my life. Uh, I was doing like a, like a show in the belly room, uh, on, on a Saturday night and he was the special guest on it and uh, he killed and then I had to follow him and, uh, you know, I'm doing my thing and I'm doing well. And then I just, out of the corner of my eye, I see Jimmy Carr with his arms folded, just staring at me watching. And uh, and then when he did his laugh at whatever joke I did, I was like, oh, wow, I feel like I've made it. That's awesome. But then he, afterwards, he gave me advice on a joke I did. He said, well, you should do it this way. You know, it'd be funnier, I think, if you switched the order. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Carr's got, you know, multiple Netflix specials. Sure. and a favorite of Comedy Central. I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, of course. I can't tell you how many times I've been at the comedy store in the OR and someone gives me a tag and it's just, I just watched you bomb before me. Like, right. I'm always willing to take advice, but you better be at my level or above it right. to give it. Absolutely. That's fair. You know, it's so, very fair. Uh, you know, there you go. Um, you know, one one person that stuck out to me in your podcast, uh, you used to call him uh, Tommy, but his name's Johnny, Johnny Stewart. Oh yeah, Johnny Stewart. He's I didn't know dude. anything about him, and he that that I want to hear more about him. He was great, and so like there, there's people like that that nobody would know if it wasn't for this podcast, and that, and that's listen, nobody would know who I am. It's not, but nobody would him. know who I am unless I went on certain podcasts. Right. And you like, got to get your name out there. And, and uh, Pat Barker, like the podcast you do with Pat Barker, always make me smile. And well, and Pat's laugh. a very uh, I love it. He's so he's such a, a detailed, but he's so. It's great with his. He's a wordsmith. He's just very. He's he's just a great guy. But oh like, yes, he's about great. his when you guys talk about rose battle and like he would call you out on something, but and like that last one you guys talked about rose, it made me. I listened to that like four times, and when I was at a depression episode, I listened to it, and it was just. I might listen to it on the way back because it was so good, and 
Dude, I just I'm a big fan and and thank you for having me on. Um Thank you for coming. Yeah, and, of course, uh, anytime. You know, Pat Barker's a legend like Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Pat and uh And you should listen to the Roast Battle podcast on uh com- it's on Apple Podcasts, but it's Comedy Central's. Right. Uh, I think they took it over. It's not verbal violence anymore. It's, I think it's no, just it's, called Roast Battle. And on that, I think, is uh, Jeselnik's show, too. The, the Jeselnik, Rosenberg. Uh, Rosenthal. Rosenthal. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Comedy Central has some great uh, podcasts. And, uh, you know, like I said, June uh, 21st to the 23rd, Clusterfest. It's like yeah. their, uh, their uh, JFL, I guess you'd say, uh, right. festival. And it, it'll, it's in San Francisco. It's worth going to. It's a fantastic lineup. Of, Great lineup. You can, uh, it's not even that expensive for tickets. No, it's, it's like, a three-day festival. Uh, I think yeah. if you go on uh, clusterfest.com, uh, there's links to, uh, and the schedule's already up, I think, for what shows are happening. Yeah. I know Roast Battle's on a Friday night, and then I'm doing the stand-up uh, on Saturday night. And then I think I'll stay on Sunday and watch uh, the My Favorite Murder podcast. There you go. That'll so uh, that's a really good podcast. And uh, and then, uh, you know, JFL's in Montreal in July. You might see me up there. You know, I don't know yet. But uh, it, Casey, you have anything you want to plug before we uh, cut the cord? Uh, you know, no, not really. I mean, I was I did a stand-up show last month, but I probably don't. I'm not going to do it again. I, uh, I took your advice finally. You know, I was... Uh, I was feeling depressed and you, you always would tell me on Facebook, book a room again, book a show, uh, that that'll get people talking to you. And, uh, and it did, they did, it? it did. And it, it, it made me depressed again. There was a lot, there was a heckler. It was a whole thing. And, uh, honestly, man, I, I think I've, I've done what I wanted to do with comedy and I, and I, I want to produce shows cause I, I do like that part, but I don't need to, to I don't need stage time. I want to share my story about depression. I want to go to schools. I'm going to do it on my high school. See me high. And I'll tell you how that went. Um, but I, uh, you know, I want to do that. I want to do more like TED talk type of things. I want to share my story. I want to help other people. Um, that's what I want to do. And so I'm on Instagram, Casey Moran 11, C-A-S-E-Y-M-O-R-A-N-1-1. I'm going to bring my podcast back discussing depression. What about Twitter? Uh, Twitter, Casey Moran 1, C-A-S-E-Y-M-O-R-A-N-1. Casey Moran on uh, Facebook. And uh, yeah, I, I just really appreciate you having me. And uh, I'm a big fan. And this is always fun coming here. And every time I, I become more and more comfortable with being on here and, and sharing my story. And uh, I know it was, there was a lot of sadness on this podcast, but I think that's like life. Said, that is life. And I think, I think you can maybe get something out of this that you can positively apply to your life. That's I mean, I, my hope. I had uh, my eye exam today at, and uh, my eye doctor is very cool. Dr. Mark Chung, West Hollywood Optometric. Uh, if you need glasses, he's the man. Sponsor this podcast? No. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he's a good dude. Uh, and uh, he was like, why is... Because I hadn't seen him in like five or six years. And uh, he was like, oh, I love that I'm dying up here. But why was it so sad? It's like, that's fucking comedy, man. Yeah. Comedy ain't... Uh, you know, yuck yucks and everyone get laid and, you know, it's depressing, uh, you right. know? Uh, so, uh, I think, you know, I don't know why it wasn't brought back. It might've been just too real. Um, if Netflix did it, they would, they would have it all. Uh, yeah. I mean, it would uh, be, it would be, it would be a different, uh, but vision. crashing got canceled too. So, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, I, maybe just, I love crashing. Uh, Maybe stand-up's just too niche of a subject matter for regular people to care right. about the intricacies of the the true feelings. And, but, you know, welcome to Hollywood, guys. Uh, 
Casey, thank you very much for coming. Thank you for having me, Earl. Uh, this is the first podcast I've ever done completely at my uh, sound desk because I had to, uh, I let someone borrow my podcast gear, so I had to make sure everything was working. Uh, full disclosure, me and Casey had to restart about two minutes in when I realized something wasn't plugged in. So I hope you uh, like this podcast. And once again, if you're feeling uh, bad feelings inside your head, uh, I gave out the number uh, to the suicide prevention. So call that. Uh, let me see if I can pull that up real fast again. It's uh, 1-800-273-8255. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And uh, suicidepreventionlifeline.org is their website. You can live chat if you know, uh, hearing someone else's voice isn't uh, for you. And, you know, Casey, uh, you know where to reach him. He will talk to you. He'll call you back, too. Uh, and you can uh, call me out. Uh, if you uh, go to the uh, Comedy Central's Roast Battle podcast, I actually gave out my uh, cell phone number at the end of the episode. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I break all the rules here. Inappropriate Earl, Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud, leave a review on Apple Podcast if you haven't done so already. We might soon be on Spotify. More details on that. And, uh, you know, leave a review, you fucking Palmers. Yeah, leave a review. You know, you guys complain sometimes that I don't have big name guests or whatever. Well, you know, luckily I had an in with Rob Riggle and, and he did it. But, you know, I, you ask any celebrity to do your podcast, the first thing they're going to do is go to Apple Podcasts and they're going to say, one, where are they on the rankings? Is it worth my time? How many reviews do they have? Uh, how many uh, subscriptions do they have? I mean, podcasts are the new talk shows. How's their social media? Yeah. Andrew yeah. Schultz on, uh, on Rogan said, you know, my parents had Carson. This generation has you. You're our Carson. So podcasts are the new television shows. I oh, think yeah. I, mean, shows. I always tell people that I would rather be on uh, Rogan's podcast than any late night talk show. Because right. it's just, you know, I, I, I just do. Uh, not to say I would turn down a, a spot on Conan, but like. Um, what about Thick at Night? Alan Thick. Alan Thick, uh, rest <laughs> in peace. Uh, you can watch his son Robin uh, yeah. twang the guitar. Yeah. Or you can go to the comedy store and watch John Mayer do comedy. So yeah, I love that. You want to get really get depressed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he asked me one night, Earl, what do you think of my comedy? I'm like, how would you feel if I went on stage during one of your concerts and started playing guitar? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Stand-up seems to be the last stop for everyone. You know, right. from Every other walk of the entertainment business. Oh, I can do that. Uh, most of you can't. Uh, inappropriate Earl. I love you all. Next week, uh, we'll have another guest on, possibly talking with the great Matt Bolliker, who just wrote a book on Craig Giraldo, speaking of suicide. Oh, nice. So uh, we're getting into some heavy topics here. Not every uh, fucking episode is going to be about uh, Britney Fox changing lead singers. <laughs> <laughs>